Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. The power of manual copywriting in the era of AI. It's very important topic, especially today when AI is a regular tool for anyone. I don't know any writers who can ignore this tool. I cooperate with many great writers who can post on Forbes, Investopedia, many other great websites, and all of them use AI. We can't deny this tool exists, but we need to use it smart. That's why I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Robert Carnes. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to to dive into this topic that's obviously very important and like you said uh something that everybody's talking about these days yeah a big pleasure a big pleasure to learn more about that and robert before we start just remind about yourself experience background your business and why you pay attention to copywriting when we have ai that can write anything for a few seconds <laughs> yes so i'm the marketing manager at a digital agency just outside of atlanta Uh, called Green Melon. Uh, we specialize in all things digital marketing for our clients, uh, including copywriting, building websites, uh, content marketing, blogging, email, uh, all of which involves writing to some degree. Uh, and I touch a lot of that as the marketing manager. I do a lot of our copywriting. I do a lot of our strategy work for our clients, uh, oversee all the blogging efforts with some uh, freelance copywriters. Uh, I myself am also a freelance copywriter outside of the agency. I've published a few books. So writing is very much a part of what I do in my you know, professional life, but also something I enjoy personally. I've done it for many years. And obviously, yes, uh, as the AI tools have started to come out, it's been something we've talked a lot about internally. How do we use them, but use them wisely and also have the human component of writing and, and still keeping that level of quality high for our clients and for their customers? Nice, nice. Love it, love it. It's interesting, you know, we recorded our podcast before ChatGPT, but uh, I launched uh, our episode uh, in November mm -hmm. 30, the day when ChatGPT was launched as well. So <laughs> yeah, today uh, we can discuss more about this tool. It's important uh, to know about this, this tool because uh, as I mentioned that people overuse uh, AI and it doesn't help to create valuable content and we need to find the way how to use it smart. Uh, Robert, can you tell how to do it, how to create the right prompts? Because, because everything starts from these prompts. And I remember Elon Musk shared on Twitter how he asked ChatGPT a hard question. Uh, I read this question a few times to understand what Elon Musk wanna know. Uh, and ChatGPT gave this unique answer, you know, uh, uh, well-explained answer. Uh, it's interesting because Elon Musk did it before started to criticize ChatGPT and signed this letter to procrastinate the process. Then after a few days, he bought expensive equipment on Twitter to develop AI. <laughs> so yeah, he, he loves to change his mind. But anyway, uh, can you tell how to create the right prompts today? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's that's the big question because AI is still just a tool and there still has to be people to input ideas and thoughts and to, uh, to generate uh, to a starting point for AI to, to create. I mean, some pretty interesting and remarkable. It is surprising the concepts and the ideas and the output it's able to give us. But you're right, like there has to be a good prompt to start from. And 
I think we're all still figuring that out. We're all still wondering what the right way is, what the right art form is. So I think, I mean, just like with writing or marketing in general, you've got to practice. You've got to start using this tool and figuring out what things it responds to. I remember, uh, you know, late last year, like you said, November, December, when ChatGPT uh, really launched and became publicly available, um, we started playing around with it and you could do so much more. They put some restrictions on it since. So it's changing, you know, right now as we speak as to how it's responding to us. It's getting smarter. It's getting better. Um, so you have to kind of learn and evolve along with it and learn what kind of props um, work well, what kind of prompts are going to be blocked. Um, how to get good content. Usually you're not going to get exactly what you're looking for with the first prompt. You have to, you know, give it a few times and tell it to adjust and say, Hey, can you say that exact thing, but use this kind of tone, or can you take this part and rewrite the second paragraph? So, um, that's the key is that this is again, a tool that us as marketers and writers and copywriters can certainly use, but there needs to be that human component, that person who's thinking and asking it to do a couple different things. So yeah, practice. And then repetition, kind of keep keep harnessing it um, and keep giving it different prompts to try to make it better and better over time is really what's going to be the key to fully leveraging it for, for good use. Nice, nice. I want to ask you about uh, creativity. Uh, let me share a story, but it's not related to writing, but uh, the story relates to creativity. Uh, 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 re, uh, I... You know, I forget the name of this offer. Uh, yeah, uh, Robert Richards, or yeah. Uh, okay, anyway, the yeah. offer published a book uh, 11 years ago. Um, he spent 14 years to write a single book, 14 years. Yeah. Then he published this book uh, and used some marketing, sales methods, but he couldn't sell this book. Uh, then his daughter posted content on TikTok uh, uh, from account with zero followers. This video became viral. And today this book is bestseller on Amazon. So, you know, uh, single video beats all marketing sales methods. Uh, I think this book is great as well because uh, people don't buy bad books uh, uh, but anyway uh, he couldn't promote this book and uh, uh, only one video uh, provide all this job and uh, of course I watched this video of course I'm curious how to film this video you know to get 50 million views and uh, that was not nice looking design just simple design but that was authentic you know transparent uh, and this video provokes curiosity what kind of book is this you know uh, how what kind of value can I get by reading this book um, and uh, uh, I think this video was creative AI is not creative because AI is the best rewriting tool ever rewriting <laughs> and uh, uh, can you tell how to stay creative by writing text and using AI <laughs> That's, that is a great question. And I think you've hit on the key point that, yeah, that's the difference between me and you and ChatGPT and Bard and all those other tools is, yeah, I mean, our humanity allows us to be creative. It's been surprising. Again, if you tell ChatGPT to write a poem, it can come up with a poem, right? It can, it can say something that, you know, we only thought that humans were capable of for, you know, up until like this year. Um, so it can do something, but you're right. It's very by the book. It's very, um, you know, patterned. It's all it is is predicting what the words need to be, right? So 
it's it is robotic and it kind of feels that way right now in in the way that it writes things now i think it probably will get better as it learns a little bit more it kind of can figure it out but it's it's coming at creativity from a very cold and analytical and you know out, it, yeah it's just it's, it's just an algorithm so it can't quite figure out what creativity really is so now how to be creative i don't know i can't exactly explain it because it's just part of being a person right um, I mean, thanks for sharing this story. This, this is an awesome thing. And yeah, it, it shows that how to really capture a human's attention because we're we're people. We have to think about what sparks our imagination, what sparks our curiosity. And then we we go to that and, you know, an AI algorithm can do a lot of amazing things. It can go to scale very, very quickly and accomplish things with the snap of a finger. But it, it you know, you can't quite replicate that kind of the the ideas that a human can come up with that's why again prompts are so important is because a human's got to be the one that kind of started and I, I think ai is going to be capable of amazing things like we've both talked about we need to be aware of it but i think there's always going to be that level of human component especially when it comes to doing these creative things um and and taking it really to the finish line of, of making it available and ready for humans to actually enjoy um just because, yeah, otherwise it's just going to feel very cold and stale and robotic. So I, yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. It's it's a hard question to answer of how to be creative. Yeah. But, um, yeah, people just at least right now very much have that edge over these AI tools. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, the name of offer for listeners, uh, Lloyd Richards and uh, the book called Stone Maidens. So you can uh, find this book uh, on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, interesting story and uh, I want to ask you to f how to find the balance between consistency and frequency you know I, I see when people confuse the meaning uh, or misunderstand the meaning of uh, uh, frequency and consistency they think uh, if consistency that means you need to be frequent by uh, posting content but today quality is key and uh, tell your methods how to do it because uh, for example you know I learned about book offers many great book, book offers and they usually write a lot you know like uh, for example Stephen King uh, writes uh, 2000 words a day every single day without any excuses, without waiting, uh, inspiration, admiration, anything, he uh, does his job, you know, <laughs> that's why everyone knows uh, him. Uh, can you tell your methods how to be consistent and what uh, means for you frequency? Yeah, I mean, he's a great example because he is a, a human who is very creative and who also uses hard work to just have an incredible output. And I mean, both of the number of books he's published, but also just how wonderful they are. I'm a fan of his books. And yeah, I mean, great writers have that in common is they just, they work incredibly hard. And yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's a really good question to figure out how to balance those two things of, of still writing, even though you don't feel inspired, writing, even though you don't have any necessarily new ideas, you can create new great content and ideas through the practice of just writing. Um, I don't know if I've quite figured out how that has adjusted in AI yet. I haven't changed my methods of, I'm still pretty much, you know, writing mostly hundred percent human generated content. I will then take it to some of the AI tools and see what it thinks and Hey, how would it rewrite this paragraph or what are some ideas for this tagline or this headline or something like that. So I'm still experimenting and trying, uh, new things using AI. Um, but I'm still trying to keep things slow. A lot of people are, are very excited about AI because it means they can blow up, they can write so much more, they can churn out 10 new blog posts a day. 
But to your point, who's going to read those if the quality isn't great? And so I think we still need to intentionally sometimes slow ourselves down, use AI as a as a great tool to increase the quality and to help us maybe come up with ideas when we're, we're feeling a little stuck or we've got a little writer's block. This might be a little bit boost to, to take us to the next level. But I think we still need to intentionally slow ourselves down and not just go crazy with that frequency because we feel like we've got this tool that can scale very, very quickly. So yeah, going slower sometimes on purpose, um, but still having a good level of consistent output of, of, again, human content, because that's what people are still interested in right now. And there's a lot of people who are skeptical about all the stuff that's being written by, by AI and for good reason. Mm -hmm. Can you tell your methods how to fight with these blocks you know <laughs> i think i have them as well you know when uh, i don't use pen but uh, you know if i'm going to type anything sometimes yeah uh, for me it's hard to find ideas so can you tell your methods how to overcome it <laughs> How to, how to come up with ideas for, for new content? You know, if you have blogs, you have no inspiration, you don't know what to write, but you need to do it. So if you have any methods how to to go ahead. Oh, sure, <laughs> yeah. I mean, be, like what we've used beyond, you know, before AI came onto the scene was like, talk to our customers. What kind of questions are they asking? Like what kind of things mm -hmm. are people wondering about? Um, I mean, sometimes there's duplicate content out there, but we can have our own spin on it. So, I mean, it's fortunately or unfortunately, it's usually not been difficult for me to come up with new ideas. Like I usually don't have enough time to write all of the different things that I want to write because I'm just coming up with different ideas as I, you know, have a conversation with people. I'll come away with three or four different, you know, blog or article ideas or some, you know, an idea for an ebook or a lead generator. Um, it's, it's come a little bit more naturally for me just because I'm curious about those things. I want to learn about those things. And as I figure something out, I'll typically, the way I kind of process it is writing a blog post and saying, hey, here's, mm -hmm. you know, here's the things that I did to go learn about AI. I did these things and here's my research and here's my stuff. And let me share it with you, um, you know, publicly on this blog so that I can have, you know, something to share with somebody. You know, I'm creating resources publicly as I go. So that's usually been one of my methods for coming up with new, new avenues for content is just what am I curious about? What are the things that I want to share with, the, you know, the audience that I have? What things are they wondering that I can help them out with? I think usually once you dive into that and just keep unpacking that, it's it's usually a pretty endless source of of different ideas for content. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm interested about uh, research. Can you tell how you research ideas? I mean, like for example, because I see uh, different approaches from uh, copywriters and journalists because journalists usually. Uh, pay attention to deep research, to analyze before writing, because uh, their results depend on how many people will read the article. But copywriters usually uh, spend less time by researching and yeah, just uh, create content, in most cases rewriting. So can you tell your methods how to get uh how to get collect data uh, before writing and how to stand out from the rest in the end? Right. My background is in journalism. I went to journalism school mm. and wrote for a couple of newspapers. So yeah, I would love to to really dive into everything and to, to do deep research, to do interviews with people and understand who the experts are. But you're right, when it comes to copywriting, you have to scale a little bit more. You've got to write a little bit more. So you have to kind of come a little bit shallower with it. I still like to try to do as much research as I can, especially when I'm doing like a, a more technical article or a you know a longer form blog post, something like that. 
Um, but typically, I mean, it usually starts with a, just an online search of what articles have already been written about this subject. Maybe not exactly the angle I'm trying to take, but what else is out there um, on this particular subject? And most subjects are broad enough or you know, most subjects are popular enough that there's something out there, right? The internet is very broad. And, and I mean, using Google searches and, and search engines is kind of like using you know, AI. You have to figure out what prompt, what things do I need to search for to get what I'm looking for. And so, you know, spending a little time in, in Google or in a, you know, a resource generator like that and finding what else is out there so that you can learn from, again, the other sources, other experts. It also depends on your own level of expertise. Like, you know, I obviously can write a lot better about things like copywriting and technology and marketing because I have a lot of experience. I can, and I know what sources to look for. Um, but it is also a skill of a copywriter to, to take on a subject that, you know nothing about, right? Um, you know, we have lots of clients that are in industries that I don't work in. So I have to figure out what sources to go to and what, who are the experts out there and, and yeah, really take some time uh, researching those things. Um, AI can kind of be a source for that. Like you can ask it, what are the articles out there that I should read? Um, but there's occasionally times that they will make things up. It will hallucinate yeah. articles and resources that don't really exist. So you, that's one of the reasons you have to be careful. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I open your LinkedIn profile because I love opening LinkedIn profiles and I like your message. No more boring marketing. Uh, attract attention with stories. You know, I think uh, if your marketing is boring, it's useless. You can't get results because uh, uh, customers have a lot of marketing uh, messages and uh, they can divide boring from non-boring. And for me, it's the same like to watch uh, movies with similar similar plots that you watched before, you know. So uh, you're not interested to get the same uh, movie for, and um, yeah, in most cases, you know the the end. It's uh, and uh, yeah, no no surprise there. So can you tell about how to create non-boring content because uh, bounce rate is high in website content on YouTube on TikTok everywhere. Uh, most content are boring. So your methods, how to stand out from the rest uh, uh, to create non-boring content. Sure. Well, I mean, I think this ties into the, the topic we're talking about in AI because I mean, AI is going to be able to generate a huge volume of content, but most of it's going to be kind of boring, right? It's just kind of yeah. templated, cookie cutter. It's predictable. It may be in the short term okay for SEO because you can tell it to rank for a certain keyword and it'll, it'll know how to do that. And and be able to kind of fool the, the search engine algorithms. But you're right, people aren't going to sit there and actually read it. They're going to look at it, they're going to find the information they're looking for, and they're going to bounce off and move on and, and not really read the content you're putting out. So, I mean, sure, you can create a, a lot of content, uh, a lot of blog posts, a lot of things using artificial intelligence, but is it going to be really worth people's time? They're going to, you know, they're going to bounce away really, really quickly. And so, as you mentioned, on my LinkedIn profile, I talk a lot about stories and storytelling. Um, that's one of the things we talked about in the last conversation that we had. So I think that's the, the biggest other thing is using the creativity that only people right now can really harness and tell stories about people, you know, use a narrative, use example. I mean, you told a great story about a man who wrote a book and had his daughter, uh, you know, share it on TikTok and it kind of took off, right? There was a, a narrative involved. Something happened. There were people involved in it. And so anytime you can do that, include characters uh, as an example of what the point you're trying to make. Um, you know, maybe leave people a little uncertain if they haven't heard this story before, then they're, they're intrigued. They're curious as to what's going to happen. So they're going to keep following you down the page 
because they don't know what's going on. They want to kind of close that story loop that you've opened. So um, storytelling is just one, I think, way to kind of be creative and, and hold people's attention. But it's the one that I talk a lot about. And, and for right now is kind of exclusive to us people of thinking of what the right story is uh, for each different situation we have and, the, and, you know, the right story for the right piece of content that you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, I remember stories. Uh, I love stories from Apple when uh, on all their presentation. That's why I buy all their stuff, you know, <laughs> iPhone, Apple Watch, AirPod, you know, because because of the stories. Uh, I didn't sure. know about these features, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I'm not geek, you know, who can learn uh, a, a lot about that, but uh, I trust the brand. Yeah. And uh, I remember uh, when uh, Steve Jobs shared story about the first iPod uh, and uh, he didn't share that you can get 10 gigabyte memories in your po pocket. He shared that you can have thousand songs in your pocket, you know? Yeah, so that was exciting. Can you tell how to create the feeling of owning something? You know, yeah, I love uh, watching uh, different advertisement marketing uh, messages uh, when happy people use something and, you know, I get this feeling. Okay, I, I, I can be happy as well. I can take this product. I can decide my problem, simplify my life, improve uh, everything that I have. So can you tell about creating this feeling? Yeah, I, I think you hit it right on. It's, it's about emotions, right? It's about how people, you're making yeah. people feel. It's not about the, the facts of your product. It's not about the features. I mean, like, that's a component and people will probably look at that before they purchase, but to, to really grab them from the beginning. Yeah. You've, you've got to make them feel a certain way. So how, how do you want to make them feel understanding that emotion first and going, Hey, happiness is really going to sell our products or maybe fear of what if they don't buy this product, they're, they're worried about, you know, what's going to happen. I mean, insurance is kind of like that, right? Like if you don't have homeowners insurance, something bad might happen. So there's a little bit of like fear or anxiety there. And, you can very easily be manipulative with that. So it's one of the reasons why stories can go bad because people can kind of manipulate people um, in, in their marketing. So hopefully you have good intentions in it, but understanding what emotion is going to drive people and then talking to people and figuring out again, why, why did you buy our product? How did it make you feel? And, and then just, yeah, that connection with your audience and understanding just from a basic standpoint of, of how they're already feeling and just elevate that and showcasing that and saying, Hey, this is, this is what we're trying to get you to. I mean, I feel like when you start thinking about that and looking at advertising, you can kind of, you get a sense of what they're going for. You, try, you get a sense of what story they're trying to tell, what emotion they're trying to evoke from you. Um, so you start to notice it a lot more times when you're aware of it. But yeah, you have to do the same thing as you're creating content or ads or marketing campaigns, just understanding what emotion is going to go in there. And then maybe, again, if you're going to use a story, picking the story that's going to elicit that emotion in your audience. Mm -hmm. uh, it's interesting, uh, search engines, uh, Google, Bing, DuckDuckGo, uh, all of them, Baidu, um, they have different approach uh, to retaining users uh, uh, compared to social media. For example, in social media, the main goal is to retain as much as possible, as maximum as possible, because, for example, if people spend more time on social media, social media can uh, get more money, you know, by... Uh, advertisement uh, but on google another goal uh, users need to leave google with a relevant link as quick as possible so if they can find the relevant link in 10 seconds then google provides a good job you know with yeah. that uh, 
can you tell about retaining users? You know, it's very important. Uh, for example, when users open your uh, social media post, uh, website content, uh, I remember this great book from Joe Sugarman. He wrote this book uh, about marketing 40 years ago, about retaining uh, readers. Uh, I can relate all this points, skills to digital. Uh, I think he can write this book about digital without changing any words, you know, uh, uh, because uh, he told how to retain uh, readers to read until the end. Uh, and uh, I see when people uh, bounce fast, you know, uh, they open, uh, they can't get attention, you know, they bounce, forget about this content, uh, you can't sell. But if you retain them longer, the chance that social media will rank uh, or recommend uh, more often uh, will be higher. So any tips about retaining audience? Yeah, I think you did a, a really cool job of comparing, again, social platforms like Facebook that really does try to kind of keep you in. They have the infinite yeah. scroll, so you just keep going versus search engines, which really their whole idea is not even retaining people, but yeah, pushing them out to a different site, but the right site, right? So I think it's it's about two things really in my mind. It's about value, like what are you giving people? How how good of a service or you know a, a resource are you providing people? Um, and then the other thing is trust, um, because again with Google or DuckDuckGo, um, you know I'm gonna again I'm gonna use them for a second and find what I'm looking for and then move on with my day. But I'm gonna come back to them again and again and again if I trust that they have their be yeah. my best interest. If I trust that I mean things like you know privacy is taken care of. Um, but also again, are, are they providing what I was looking for and doing it quicker? So in like in Google's mind, yeah, maybe I may spend 10 seconds on their, uh, on the actual search result page, finding what I was looking for, but that's probably a good thing from their standpoint, because they want me to find it quickly and move on, not get frustrated and spend two minutes looking through a search result. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where some of the social media companies are starting to get, get into trouble because they're trying to box people in. They're not giving people freedom to to find the right links. They're suppressing a lot of that kind of stuff that that might take people off, which results in high engagement, but a lowering level of trust. So you really need to have that level of, again, providing great value for people and retaining the trust of having a good relationship that you have their best interest in mind. You know, uh, it's interesting. Uh, I removed TikTok a few days ago because TikTok, I don't know how, but TikTok can read my mind uh, and share only content that I love, you know, <laughs> when I spent two hours on TikTok, I got it. No way. I need to do something with that. I tried to fight. But uh, then uh, if I go to restroom, I usually take my smartphone because it's boring to spend time in the restroom without smartphone. But, you know, uh, after 10, 15 minutes, I keep watching these videos. I keep uh, watching two hours and got it. I need to do something with that. That's why I removed TikTok. I don't know another way how yeah. to tell TikTok, please don't show videos that I love. You know, please don't engage me as you can. I don't have such issue on LinkedIn, on Facebook, only on TikTok. And TikTok provides a good job with that, you know, to share relevant content. Yeah, uh, yeah. Robert. Um, I want to ask you about uh, simplicity. Can you tell how to simplify experience and uh, write uh, less but quality? For example, if I open Apple, I see big difference. Very simple text, you know, uh, a few words, uh, nothing special, but uh, 
I often open some uh, landing pages with a lot of text. I don't know what to click, where to go, uh, what kind of information to get. So can you tell how to cut uh, less necessary information and leave only important for customers information? Yes. Well, understanding that simplicity is important is the first step. Not trying to bloat your content just bigger and longer, but really, like you're saying, trying to cut down. Like maybe the first draft of a blog post or a website that you're writing is a little bit longer because you just had to get your idea out of your head. But don't go with just that. Don't go with the first draft. Spend some time reading through, cutting down, editing. Editing is a different process from just writing. They're very related and they go together, but you have to write first and then take a step back and then go back to it a day or so later and edit it and cut down and, hey, this sentence doesn't need to be there. Uh, you know, I can take out these words or this idea, this is confusing. So take the time to actually edit things so that they are simpler and so that they are clearer for your audience, not just for you. Um, if you can say the same thing with fewer words, then say it with fewer words. If you can remove a, a, a word from your sentence and it still has the same meaning, then that's usually a good thing. Remove that word, right? Because otherwise you're just making people look longer and you're making, you know, giving another opportunity for them to get tripped up. And this may be one of the areas where AI can be extremely helpful. Um, like I, I use Grammarly quite a bit. Um, they have a really good, you know, strong AI that makes suggestions on uh, the clarity of sentences, the complexity of sentences. They, they'd say, hey, you know, you wrote this sentence that's 50 words. Well, hey, you could say something similar in 30 words. So do you want us to like rewrite it for you? And usually I say yes, because what they suggested was actually clearer. So I came up with the first idea. I got us 50% of the way there and it got us the rest of the way there. So that is, again, that, that editing and suggesting capability of AI may be one of the ways where it's, it's really, really useful because it can help us get to simplicity. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. And Robert, my next question about mistakes. I asked this question before, but uh, we have new listeners and everyone makes mistakes. Probably I make a lot more mistakes than many of my listeners. You know, I, I keep doing them. You know, for me, it's hard to avoid all these mistakes. Uh, but it's a good, you know, good experience when you learn from your mistakes. You know what you can do the next time. So anyway, list mistakes that writers still do and your tips how to avoid them. That's a great question. I mean, I mean, you're talking about like making mistakes, even just in writing, like you go back and you notice that something was overly complex or something could have been said better. The good and the bad is that the entire internet is, you know, is constantly living and you can go back to that blog post, you know, maybe that you published last year or, or you know, before, mm -hmm. and you can clean it up, you can refresh it, you can kind of breathe new life ah, into yeah. it and make it better. Okay. So, I mean, that's kind of a scary thing because it means that everything is always kind of in, in flux and you can always go back and update it. But that gives you the opportunity to sometimes correct those mistakes. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I think just the mistakes of like writing practices in general is not not practicing enough of, of thinking that, you know, the first time is um, good enough and right, you just crank out a blog post and you, you hit publish. Um, I mean, some people do that intentionally. Some people who write every single day and publish every single day, you know, they're, they're okay with some of the mistakes because they're just, they're in the habit of just writing every single day. Um, and they're, again, they just have to live with some of the mistakes that they make, but, um, yeah, you just have to kind of learn to live and learn to what threshold of a mistake is okay. Because like you said, you're going to fail. Is it okay if, you know, some little things happen, that's fine. 
but sometimes the bigger things you need to learn how to address and how to fix it. And, and you learn that through practice too, right? If you made a mistake with a marketing campaign or you wrote an article and it just was completely misguided, then know, okay, well, I can fix that, but then also I can get ahead of that and do better the next time. So yeah, it's just, it's a constant practice. It's a constant learning experience. And the more you do it, the more opportunities you have to get better and to refine your process. So um, yeah, I guess a mistake would be not not realizing that, not realizing that failure is okay and that you can learn from it. Yeah, I agree. It's hard to create a great piece of content from the first attempt, from the yeah. second, probably, sure. I don't know, 100 pieces content can be uh, great. You know, it takes time, you know, to craft your skills, to go yeah. ahead and yeah. Uh, I I tried to read a few articles that I wrote uh, many years ago and got it. <laughs> no, yeah, the, today I have different approach. Uh, yes. Just better. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's a brave thing to go back and look at what you did that long ago because yeah, you usually like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? But but that shows the progress, right? You've gotten better since then mm -hmm. because there's been that much time and that much practice that's happened. So you can congratulate yourself that hey, I'm I'm better than I was back then. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, Robert, uh, let's talk about uh, your experience. If you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, what will you do today to improve or uh, craft your writing skills? That's yeah, that's another challenging one because part of it is just is putting in those reps, is putting in all the hours of, of things that you've done. So um, I don't know if there's a ton I would change. Um, I mean, again, like you, when I go back and read some of the things that I wrote years ago, it's, it's not as good as what I know I'm able to do now. And I know that 10 years from now, it's, it's going to be even better than where I am now. So, I mean, I don't know if there's really anything that I would change because it's just like building those skills just takes time. I don't think there's any shortcuts to, to automatically doing it better. Um, I mean, when it comes to writing, particularly just reading a lot, which is something that I've always done. That's one of the reasons I'm interested in writing is because I've seen so much of what other people have put out. So just continuing to read a whole lot is, is really, really valuable. Um, I, I think maybe one of the things that I might change that, you know, if I were to start over again, is just to, to be braver about publishing sooner sometimes. Like a lot of times you get caught in the paralyzation because you want to be perfect. I can't, I can't let this thing go because this book or this article or whatever, it, it just has to be perfect before I'm able to let it go. And sometimes you, you have to know where that line is of when it's good enough and be able to move on. Um, so sometimes I held on to things a lot longer than I probably should have because I didn't, I wasn't, you know, courageous enough to kind of let it go and to let it live in the public and, um, and knowing that, Hey, maybe it's not going to go viral or it's not going to be the biggest thing ever. A few people read it and move on, but at least I've kind of gotten it out of my system and I've, you know, I've put that practice out there. So, um, yeah, I mean, kind of accidentally, I feel like I've, I've built up a good kind of writing habit that way, but, um, it can always be better. And I just keep, keep hacking away at it. I'm sure I will learn something from the mistakes that I make today and this year that I'll, I'll put into practice next year and next decade. So yeah, it's just, a, it's a constant practice. That's the, the main thing I keep coming back to is you can just kind of keep working at it. Nice. Nice. Valuable. Uh, I want to ask you about vanity metrics. For example, you know, once I spoke with webmaster who lost 400,000 traffic uh, because Google uh, dropped his ranking positions, but he didn't lose any sales. So he got a lot of traffic. He lost this traffic, but sales are the same. <laughs> so nothing happened. Uh, and uh, I see when 
webmasters chase high volume you know they uh, check out like uh, to get a lot of likes comments on social media uh, a lot of um, traffic but if this traffic didn't bring sales it's useless so can you tell how to submit your call to action uh, in the right way i mean like uh, uh, because you know if you add just uh, take my services or buy my products without having logical chain with your context it, it doesn't help a lot so people can divide it uh, tell your methods how to submit call to action to sell products <laughs> yeah that's again that's another great story that you know that somebody who owned a website had the traffic drop way way down but the sales didn't change at all which basically means yeah. all of those people who weren't coming to a site were just the wrong people they weren't the ones to buy yeah. it right yeah, so yeah. that's almost that's an okay thing because it now it means hey all the people who are coming to a site are the the right ones the right people um, who are relevant to his business. So I think that's a huge piece too, is understanding who, you know, what's, what's your audience? How can you focus on them? And I mean, you want to scale that you want to scale getting the right people, but don't just pad your stats just, just to make yourself feel better. Like you, you would rather have the right hundred people come to your website than the wrong, you know, hundred thousand yeah. or whatever it is. Um, but going back to call to action to convert people mm -hmm. right in the right way. Uh, and, and because you could even have the right people come to your website, but if it's confusing, and they don't know what to do, then they're still not going to buy from you, right? So, I mean, I think a big piece of it is A-B testing, experimenting, figuring out what they're going to respond to, because you can guess and you can have a good idea and you can, you know, I think know your audience fairly well um, to get at least close, but then, you know, testing out and saying, hey, does, does learn more work or does buy now work better? I mean, you can guess as to which one might be better and, you know, have a hypothesis. It's, it's the scientific method, right? And you run a little experiment for a month and say, okay, we put these two different call to actions. We did two different AB tests on two landing pages or, you know, whatever that looks like, but then go back and look at the data and see what it says and see, you know, how many people bought from, from which one that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing is just is testing in real life. You can't, you know, you can't argue with, with those results. Um, I mean, again, I think you can do research and you can have a good gut reaction as to what you think is going to yeah. work, but until you actually put it into practice and have the, the results and the evidence um, that's what's really going to help you get better and and tweak, you know, maybe it's the call to action or maybe it's the color of the button or the size of the button or the location of the button. Like there's all sorts of different variables that you can test over time to continue to, I mean, that's, that's what conversion rate optimization is, right? Just slowly making it a little bit better and a little bit more effective and testing it out a little bit more with people. Um, so that's, that's a long-term never ending experiment, but it's one you kind of always constantly need to be focused on and, and tweaking in the right ways. Yeah, love it, love it. Focusing is very important. Without focusing, you know, yeah, when you have a lot of distractions or uh, huge content plan, uh, I see when people uh, have content plan with plus hundred topics. I don't know how to write two articles a week because I have no time. You know, it's hard. Sure. It's really hard. It's not only to write. It's more to uh, research, to find data, to combine, to edit, to uh, create some design. It takes time, you know, to create quality content. Don't try to create, to touch all topics in your niche. Find priorities, choose priorities and stick with that. And Robert, my final question about the future, you know, uh, yes. we have AI uh, and it's interesting to know your opinion about future because I learned a lot of opinions uh, that AI will not replace uh, human beings. But uh, in the end, um, uh, AI 
can replace lazy writers can even today i think ai, AI can do it you know people who don't care about research uh, who just rewrite ai did this job but uh, it's only beginning of this journey it's yeah. only the start of this evolution so your tips what kind of future will be with ai and how to adapt today to this possible future oh man yeah it's it's all just guessing right we all have our opinions on where we think it's going but who knows i mean i i think it's certainly going to have an impact i mean it's certainly going to be a big piece of of a lot of our jobs but i don't know if it's i mean like you said i don't think it's going to replace everybody there's still going to be people who have jobs there are still going to be writers putting out content who are using ai as a tool but you're right it's going to take those lazy writers the people who are putting in you know minimal effort it's going to push them off because it's able to do what they do that much better but if you're somebody who brings a lot of quality you know you're you're relatively safe you might have to adjust how you work and what you do and incorporate ai into your practice but you know just because we replaced uh you know a hammer with a nail gun doesn't mean we replaced the construction worker it just made the construction worker better at his job right so the construction workers who use that tool better than a hammer or better than you know i don't know trying to figure out how to put it put in a nail by themselves you know they were useless because the people who were able to to use the tools of the day got so much better ahead and they were able to be that much more creative because they they figured out how to use this tool and so that's that's the biggest thing is just figuring this out watching how the the trends go i think ai is again the hot thing right now it's what everybody's talking about i think a year or two from now it will have gotten better but i think we're going to be talking about it less just because we're going to be that much more adjusted to it right um, you know, the pandemic was the big thing everybody was talking about for a while. And then we just kind of got used to it. And now it's kind of gone, thankfully. Um, but, you know, it's, it's I just don't think we're going to be able to focus on it this hyper, you know, hyperly for the long term. But it's just going to become part of our daily lives. And it's going to, you know, just we're, we're going to get used to it and use it how we think it's going to be. And but who knows? It could be completely op opposite from that. It could take over and run the government. And we, that's part of the point is we don't really know. And that's what's got some people skeptical, which is understandable. So just, I don't know, we just all have to, to watch and see and keep learning in the meantime. Yeah, yeah, we have no crystal ball. You know, if I have crystal ball, the first thing what I can do to buy a lottery ticket, you know, <laughs> and don't care about <laughs> uh, AI about anything, you know, so yeah, because when I try to predict the stock price, crypto price, I often fail and I got it. It's hard to predict the future. So yeah, just to be better every single day to adapt technologies faster than your competitors. Yep. And it doesn't matter, you will create content in virtual reality for SEO. Uh, you know, if you have experience to create content, you can do it everywhere because marketers on tv and radio didn't lose their jobs they adapted to digital yeah mm -hmm. you can adapt to any other environment and you can do it much better with experience if you have experience to create content for seo for social media uh, to write books you can use this experience to adapt to new format new yeah. environment and the thing that we can do that AI will never be able to do is have trust in one another and connections. Yeah. And like anytime you go to a, you know, an event in person and you're talking with people, that's something that artificial intelligence will never be able to do. And so there may be a trend more towards that and more towards, again, like this, just talking to another person. Like this is the kind of content that will, will yeah. continue to live on because it's hard to replicate this and hard to replicate trust 
in in one another. So hopefully we're going to continue to double down on that. Yeah, I think humans will not invite Terminators to their conferences. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah, so yeah, we'll see. Robert, it's a big pleasure to get on my show to learn from you. you. You're so kind to share all this valuable insights. I love it. So valuable. Tell our audience the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, my personal website, robertcarnes.org, you can find links to social media and all the all the things, including links to my books. Um, Storycyclebook.com is the landing page where you can learn about my most recent book uh, that's all about storytelling um, in, in marketing and your business came out before artificial intelligence. So you you know that I wrote it all myself. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are the, the biggest places to check me out. You can check me out on LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, any of those social channels, but yeah, would love to connect. And, and thank you so much for having me on the show to, to share some of my guesses and predictions about artificial intelligence. Nice. So you didn't use AI to write your book, yeah? It did not. Yeah, it's all me. Okay, guys, I'm going to read this book because <laughs> I want to get this human touch and I need value. Uh, thanks again, Robert. A big pleasure. Love it. Welcome back anytime to share more valuable insights. I will follow you. I will read your book. And guys, I recommend to anyone open links to uh, in the description uh, to the website, to the book and keep learning and practice. Without practice, nothing works. Okay, guys. Love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.